0: So I want us to read uh, from 1 John 4. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, don't worry, it's going to be there. Um, We're going to be camping out there, and we're going to read first, and then we'll dive in. And as I said, I'm sorry, I don't know why it's black and white there, but uh, we're looking at when the gospel invades relationships. We're in part three of a series we're doing in marriage, and what's amazing as we track through it is that actually what applies, applies to us regardless of the relationship status we find ourselves in, and I know today is going to be exactly that so we're going to read this together right dear friends let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God the one who does not love does not know God because God is love God's love was revealed among us in this way God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, back in my school days, we used to always try and convince the teachers, particularly in high school, because we were clever enough, that they really didn't want to give us the test that they were going to give us, because it was not in their best interest. So we'd sit there, and the test would be set for like a Thursday or Friday, and we'd be like, ma'am, the thing is, is it's been a really tough, tiring term for you, and we don't want you to have to sit through the weekend marking our books, they're going to be really bad, the tests aren't going to be nice at all, and this is going to ruin your weekend, and we care about you we care about you as a teacher and so 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 really honestly it's far better if you just let this one slide by we promise we'll behave well and everything else And, and in the back of our minds we kind of knew that of course we were going to have the test but we tried everything we could university we did the same i was at cape town and very seldomly in cape town you get a sunny day right particularly by the university when you you definitely bunk lectures. You definitely go to the beach. Well, at least that's what I did. Mom and dad anyway didn't I passed. Great. So <laughs> So we would do the same thing when it was coming to a test time or we had an assignment and we knew the weather was really nice. We'd do the same. We'd be like uh, Sir. Actually, you don't call them Sir then, but whatever their names were as lecturers. Listen, the sun is shining, the beach is really good. It would be great to bond with you as a lecturer. It'd be great to hang out together. Let's meet at the beach. We can postpone this. We'd also don't want you to do them. I mean we tried everything. And again, we knew that we were gonna have to do that tutorial, we we're gonna have to do that test. We did it anyway. It would be the same for us as kids with parents. I reckon or at least with my daughters definitely if Mum says no to something the first port of call is obviously dad ask the same thing or vice versa knowing that you're probably going to get the same response at least our girls know that they are but they'll try it anyway and it could be to do with why it is so important that we don't clean our room now. And and my goals are brilliant at coming up with amazing excuses. I think I did the same. But it will be down to anything like, Dad, um, I do want to clean my room, but I can't right now because, and the list could go on to either I need to save a bug or either moms asked me to do something. Or I, and the list goes on. And they know inevitably they are going to clean their room. We make them clean their room. And uh, I had to as well um, in the tough childhood that I had. Um, and so... But we try anyway, and we test it anyway. When it comes to the gospel and relationships, when it comes to how we operate in any relationship that we find ourselves in, we often try and do the same. We may know deep down what the answer from the Bible or from God same thing is going to be but we try to say but God let's just postpone the test for a while it's really better if we don't have to think about the situation or don't have to operate this way or if we just ignore this part of the Bible it really doesn't matter that much God surely you aren't going to make me stay at home when I could go to a friend's house are you really going to make me tidy my room when it isn't a problem at all that it is a mess and we do this when it comes to how we operate in our relationships and today I'm I'm not gonna let us get away with it. I'm gonna let the Lord smash us with uh, his word so none of us here or who listen to this online will be able to say we just really didn't think about living out the gospel in our relationships. So if you don't wanna do it, it is definitely a good idea for you to leave now, definitely, because once you hear this, you are never gonna be able to stand and say to God, God, I just didn't know i just didn't know and one day when you die you're never going to be able to stand before Him and be like but god no one told me i just i never knew how i was supposed to operate in relationships because we will from his word so no one leaving well done great i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but you're here um i won't be offended if you do or if you slip out quietly in a few minutes time no i'm, I'm so glad that you're here i'm so glad that you're here and in many ways preparing this message, I felt completely unqualified to share on relationships and marriage. It's um, early days. Um, I have so much to learn, I have so much to improve on. You could chat to say about that and find out all those things. Um, but then I realized that is precisely the point. None of us are qualified and know all the answers when it comes to relationships. Jesus is the only one who qualifies us and He is the only one who can help any of us improve in our relationships. It's only him. We're not gonna be able to manufacture it, we're not gonna be able to do it on our own, but he can only help us if we will take him at his word and if we will allow him to speak to us above the other voices in our head, in our mind, in our heart. That's the only time. So I really wanna challenge and ask you to be open to what he would say to you today. So firstly, what is the definition of love? We're talking about the gospel invades relationships. Relationships usually have an element of this thing called love in them, whether they are romantic ones or not. So what's the definition? What we see here, we'll get to the verse here look at the definition of love first and foremost so you see I bolded it there it goes on says the one who does not love does not know God because God is love so love is not a feeling it's not an emotion those things do come with it it's actually God himself he is love he is the very definer of what love is but then you might be going, well, I don't really know what God's like. I mean, do I, do I really wanna love someone if I don't know what the one who creates love is all about? Because love does have many facets. It's mysterious. It's hard to put its finger on it. But this helps a little bit. There's another passage in the Bible that gives us an indicator of love. So if God is love, I know sometimes people say with this passage to give you an indicator of how you should act as a Christ follower, put your name instead of love. I would say actually put God instead of love. And then it gives you a very good idea of the writer grappling with what love is but look at what it says love is patient love is kind love does not envy it's not boastful is not arrogant is not rude is not self-seeking you can see the writer is kind of grasping to define this thing called love does not keep a record of wrongs love finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth it bears all things it believes all things it hopes all things it endures all things now when i read that i go that is definitely not me, all of the time, or most of the time. That's why, that's what God is all of the time, but it gives us a great indicator of what love actually is. It gives us a very good indicator. So if you're operating like that in relationships, it gives you a good idea of to what extent you are actually loving someone. So it gives us a good idea of the character of God and what love is, and it's so important that we realize Where does it come from? Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. Ultimately, it cannot be manufactured by us. Our very ability to love is because we're created in the image of a God who is love. Otherwise, we can't. We don't have an ability to love. The only way that we do is because someone who's created us and put that into our DNA. We were created in the image of a loving God. So if we're to love well, it comes from a very clear understanding of what love is according to God, not according to the media, not according to the news, not according to ourselves, according to what his definition of love is. So what does it practically look like? That's the definition, but what does it actually look like from his perspective, not from ours, from God's perspective, what does love look like? Thankfully, the Bible explains to us how God shows us and shows and showed us his love. It was revealed, we can dive in here, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this is brilliant. How does God reveal his love, his character, all those different things? He reveals it in sending himself to us to solve the problem of our sin. And not only that, so he reveals it in his son, but it consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He's the first mover. So when it comes to love, two important things we know. Firstly, it's revealed to us at its very core by an action that God made to us and that he wants us to follow on to others. And secondly, that Um, it says over there that the case is not that we love God first but that he loved us so he is the first mover when it comes to love so if we were to picture love that is what love would look like if we were to actually give the very definition of what love is and the very core of it, it's summed up in that. Now that is Christ on the cross and I think it's probably the, the most real it could possibly look from the movie, The Passion of the Christ. The putting right of our mess the making payment for the filth in our lives. And you might say, well, Craig, that's pretty gory. Love is about caring, love is about romance, love is about laughter, love is about joy. Yes, but love is about that. And at its very core, everything that God did in demonstrating his love to us, in revealing it through his son making a way for us to have salvation, that's the core. And everything else flows out of it. It's the baseline to demonstrate love for him and then onto others. If you catch what Jesus did for you on the cross, I can guarantee you that you will love him well because you'll understand his love for you and you'll love others very well. That's the baseline of every form of love, of brotherly love, of romantic love, of any form of love is getting what Jesus did for you and I on the cross. If we don't, we'll fall short in it all the time. Look at some of the biblical passages that back up this practical definition. So look at Romans 5 verse eight. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you wanna know if God loves you, you see it on the cross you want to know that he cares about you deeply you see it on the cross look at this one some of you may know this Um, I think we learned it in schools a long time ago for God loved the world in this way he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life I'll do one more you just see this through the Bible every time you say God what does your love look like it looks like me on the cross What does it look like? It looks like me on the cross. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our sin, you're saved by grace. Isn't it amazing that we can so easily twist what love actually is, but you just see through the Bible from God who is love, he just portrays it in a very different way that we may expect. And so again, two important points as we um, go through this part. It is through the act of God that we receive life. We get life through God's love. You see, it says that we live through him. If you're feeling a lack of purpose right now, if you're feeling a lack of joy, I can guarantee you, you will find it nowhere else except in the love of Christ nowhere else if you're looking anywhere other than Christ's love for you and what he did for you on the cross you will not experience the purpose that you are after and secondly the only way that we have a capacity to love God and others is because he is the first mover which I shared briefly he is the one who acts in our hearts first when we were dead in our sin as it says in that verse he made us alive He is the first mover always. So true love is shown in our response of God's love towards us. And what should our response be? What should it look like? Perfect, back to it, here we go. We look on a bit further he made an atoning sacrifice for our sins verse 11 dear friends if God loved us in this way we also must love one another not optional we must love one another So on the back of us actually understanding what Jesus did for you and I on the cross, we then love others. Maybe some of you have known Christ for a long time and you're like, I've heard about the cross. We have to get through it once a year at Easter. It's just so tiring and it's just the same and we just hear about the gospel all the time. You can never get enough of the gospel. If you get enough of the gospel, you'll stop looking like Christ because it's the more that we get a picture of what he did for us that we grow closer to him. So the is saying that on the back of God's love, it's not optional for us to love others. It has to take place as Christ follows. We must love love one another. And it actually shows whether we have an understanding of what Christ's love accomplished for us on the cross or not. It shows, I'll say it again, it shows whether we have an understanding of what Christ did for us on the cross or not, whether we love other people, Okay you notice something else interesting. The writer doesn't say, dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another, the people who are kind to us and love us back. It just doesn't say that. Do you just love it how there's a full stop? We must love one another, full stop it doesn't talk about the other person's behavior at all the writer leaves this out and I believe it's on purpose if John wanted to say it, to his writing he could have easily said it guys Jesus loved you you must love other people but only the people who love you back only the people who love you first only the people who are kind he didn't leave that as an option at all he definitely did it on purpose because we don't demonstrate Christ's love to get loved back. That can be amazing. It's an incredible byproduct that we're after. But we love because Jesus loved us completely in our mess. That's why you and I love as Christ followers. But Craig, I sent this amazing message to a friend and I didn't even get a response. Hey, I'd love to meet up with you for coffee. I just wanted to connect. They didn't even respond They're like, Nah, I'm busy. They are dead to me. <laughs> They are dead to me. Well, not if you would call yourself a Christ follower. But Craig, surely I should not still love them. Surely I shouldn't care. Well, you should because of that. But that person hurt me so badly with what they said. They humiliated me in front of other people. Should I really still love them? Should I really think well of them? Well, yes, but only because of that. Not because of them loving you or earning it. Only because of what Jesus did. But what I do when I pour out my love to my spouse? I don't get anything in return. Their responses are cold. I just just don't get anything back. How long do I do this for? Do I do this for five years, 10 years, 20 years? How long do I go on without getting anything back? Well, you keep loving, but why not in your own strength? Only because of that. It's the only way. It's the only way you can. It's the only way you should. It's the only way you must. It's because of what Jesus has done for each of us. But it feels like the spark's gone, the romance is gone, uh it's been thirty years and and now we're just in survival mode. Yes, we'll stay together. It's the right thing to do as Christ follows. You should definitely do that, but we're not going we're not going to go go hard after getting any deeper we're, It's just what it is, it's just what it is now. so we kind of just we, we've pulled pulled off the accelerator and and we, we this is what it's going to be until we die. No we need to love radically, we need to pursue love but only because Christ was on the cross for you and I. I'm by no means saying that we should put up with any form of abuse at all. You shouldn't. If you're in an abusive relationship of any kind, and this could be in a work relationship, this could be in a what was a romantic relationship, you need to seek help immediately. You need to get yourself safe if that's the case. But what I am saying is that Christ's love for us on the cross must be the foundation of our love. It has to be the foundation of our love if we are Christ followers. And I also say say this knowing that there may be some in the room who've loved and loved and loved for years and years and there genuinely has been nothing in return and you may be feeling now, I'm actually losing hope and I just don't think I can keep going anymore. I don't think it's worth continuing to go anymore. Can I just say that as heartbreaking as it may be, it may be that the situation doesn't improve for your life on earth. I pray it does and I trust God that he does that and he brings transformation, but it may just be that in this lifetime on earth, it doesn't happen. But can I tell you that as you continue to love as Christ has loved you, even if you happen to get nothing in return your entire life, this is speaking to marrieds. Maybe it would also be speaking to moms and dads loving kids or kids loving moms and dads if there's been a a rift or a divide, maybe some sort of family. Can I just tell you that as a Christ follower, I want you to know that if you can love as Christ loved, When there's nothing in return, there is a reward laid up for you that you will enjoy for all eternity. It's the only reason Paul in the Bible could say our light and momentary troubles. It's the only reason he could say run the race to win the prize. He said those things in prison. He said those things while he had been deserted at times. The only way he could say those things is because there was a reward laid up for him in heaven. And I can tell you, if you experience the heartbreak and the pain of loving and never being loved in return, but being faithful to Jesus and faithful to what he's called you to, I can guarantee you that the reward laid up for you will be worth it. It'll be worth honoring Jesus for his love for you, no matter how hard it is. You see, we are not accountable for other people's actions, but we are accountable for our own. We don't stand one day before Jesus on behalf of anyone else. We all stand on our own. And so when we stand before Jesus, we're not gonna be able to stand before him and say, but God, that person acted that way and so I I didn't follow you as I should. He'll ask us one-on-one, face-to-face. But everyone will stand before him. We will all give an account for our lives and only we will answer to him. Look at some of these astounding quotes on understanding love. Richard um, Sibs, this is what he says. Measure not God's love and favor by your own feeling. The sun shines as clearly in the darkest days as it does in the brightest. The difference is not in the sun, but in some clouds which hinder the manifestation of the light thereof. And backing this up. Watchman knee. look what he says. The nature of God's love is unchangeable. Ours alternates all too readily. If it, is our love, if it is our habit to love God with our own affection, we shall turn cold towards him whenever we are unhappy. What powerful pictures of why we need our strength and who we are to come from Christ and nowhere else. So a few quick tips on how to let the gospel invade our relationships and then we're getting ready to close in prayer. First one, remember that Christ's love and sacrifice for you and me has to be the baseline. It has to be the baseline for our love for others. Gain everything you are from him and let the rest flow from there. Secondly, everything of value in life takes effort. We've said this before at the start of the year about building great habits, but everything in life takes effort. Be it your health, be it how good you are in business and successful in business, everything happens through effort. It is exactly the same for your relationship with Christ, for your marriages, and for relationships with anyone else you encounter. They take effort, they take time, they take process. We don't float into them. Just as much as we put effort into everything else, we need to do the same in those. Thirdly, This is a helpful guide for you to see how you're doing in this area. What are you thinking? What are you writing? When I say writing, I'm talking about uh, WhatsApps and stuff. What are you saying? And what are you showing by your actions? If you maintain that you're a Christ follower, do all of the above that you operate in, does that look like Christ? What you think, what you write in messages, what you say and what you act, that's a good indicator of how you're doing loving wise. Uh, you, can, you can put in a lot of different things in here. I, I could have kept going for ages, but imagine this. Hey friend, how is your day? Answer one, fine. Answer two, it wasn't that great, but I survived, how was yours? Now, this is just one on a friendship level, right? Those two responses will have a massive impact on how the rest of your relationship with that person goes. Maybe for that day, maybe for that week, maybe forever, correct? Sarah and I have this little joke, and I think I learned it from my folks, that fine means freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. So if ever you ask someone, a spouse or friend, and you're like, hey, how are you doing? Fine. Well, you know, which we all know that that's code for, I don't want to speak to you about it or anyone else, but I am not okay. Anyway, if you're sitting here as a friend and you're going, I'm just struggling with friendships. You know, it just seems like um, I just, I just don't have good friends in the workplace. I just don't get on with my colleagues or whatever else. I just want to give you a slight indicator that your words, if that was in a WhatsApp message, Answer one, most likely, would remove any opportunity for friendship that day or beyond. Answer two would open the door. It's that simple. That's the culture that we live in. Do you know that you saying an answer to a question, yes, versus yes with a smiley face, has a dramatic impact on how it's read. Dramatic impact. I'm talking about marriage, I'm talking about any relationship. The same for your words. The difference between, we teach it to our kids all the time, right? You need to say please, you need to say thank you, Do we do that as adults? Do we operate like that when we speak to each other, when we speak to others, or do we say, do this, do that, I need this, I want that, fix this, fix that, or do we go, please would you do that? Thank you so much for doing that. We teach it to our kids, we just seem to forget it sometimes as adults. So the bottom line is what we think, what we text, what we write, what we say, and what we act has a dramatic impact and displays where the Christ's at work in our lives. I always find it funny to put Jesus into this. Can you imagine Jesus responding that? Hey Jesus, how was your day today? Fine. be terrifying. Imagine Jesus like we're having a friendship or whatever else and uh, we're, maybe we're, he's a work colleague, maybe he's our boss or whatever else. I just don't imagine him saying, fix that problem hey, listen, Craig, there's a little bit of a problem at work. There's some issues. Please, would you sort that out for me? It's really good when we put him into our everyday conversations and we see how we would act. So think about those things. The final one is a, is a quick little tip. And I know Mark Rosa spoke brilliantly on this. If you didn't listen to his uh, last week, definitely do that. Get great at humility. We can't operate and grow in friendships without humility. Get great at being willing to ask for help. Get great at clear communications. Mark spoke to us about that. Both in uh, he spoke about couch time as well as spoon time. Get great at that. Get great at not taking offence. But I don't get offended. I don't get offended by people. I don't know. <laughs> You respond like that or you get a response like that. Maybe you do, I'm not sure. But offense is when we don't think well of someone. So think on that. Bottom line, get good at loving Christ. And as I, loving like Christ. And as I close, why is it actually essential? Why is it absolutely essential that we love like Christ? I mean, who cares that my marriage is mediocre? Who cares that I'm not really that much of a good friend? Who really cares? It doesn't affect anyone. Maybe me, maybe others, but not really. Well, there's three very powerful reasons as to why it absolutely matters how our relationships are in any form. We pick it up over here verse 12 at the end of this passage so it goes on dear friends if God loved us in this way we also must love one another and then no one has ever seen God if we love one another God remains in us and his love is made complete in us now that no one has ever seen God is such an interesting phrase it almost seems like it doesn't match with verse 11 and with the rest of verse 12 we'll share in a little bit so three powerful reasons why we must love like Christ no one has ever seen God It's seems like a strange sentence wedged in and John does this the writer in a few places in the books that he writes and he's meaning yes physically no one's seen God necessarily face to face even Moses in the Old Testament got to see the back of God's face but uh, he didn't actually see God what he's getting down to here I believe and, and looking at the different research He's saying, listen, we may not see God face to face in this lifetime, but our love for him and each other shows the reality of who he is to ourselves and to others as well. So we're not gonna see him face to face in this lifetime, but the way in which we love shows that he's real to us. It shows that what he's done on the cross actually impacts us, but more than that, it shows to a broken world that Jesus is actually real. It shows that he is actually who he said he is. So it is vital for your relationships and mine to show the world that Jesus is alive. Look at these verses. John thirteen thirty-five. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The only way that the world in which we live who may not know Jesus yet, and maybe you're here and you're exploring faith, the only way that we should be able to see as someone who isn't a Christ follower, the difference between Christ followers and not is love, is that we love one another. The mystery, when it comes down to a husband and wife, this mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself. The wife is to respect her husband. As they do that, we look like Christ in the church. And that's when people who don't know Jesus look in at marriages and go, do you know what? There is something drastically different about that couple compared to any others that I see or to others that I see. I've got to know what it is then they ask and they find out hmm, that's quite interesting you guys call yourselves Christ followers okay you've spent time with God's people okay Sheesh, maybe I'm gonna find out about this because your relationship definitely looks like something that I don't know and I'd love to find out more the way in which the world encounters King Jesus is through our relationships That is how the world in which we live encounters and knows the God of love is through the way that we operate in relationships. The way those guys at Harvest just love radically is astounding. They love across racial divides. They love across wealth brackets. They love when they get hurt. They love, I've gotta know why they love like that. That husband and wife, the way that they honor each other, the way that they're devoted to one another, the way that they speak highly of each other, I wanna know why, why do they do that? The eternal destiny of people we come into contact with is at stake depending on how we love. Let that sink in for a short bit. The eternal destiny, heaven or hell, is at stake depending on how you and I love each other. We are God's plan A, and the way in which we operate has a dramatic, complete impact on the way people spend eternity. We're God's plan, and I never want to stand in heaven, and I don't want each of us to stand in heaven one day knowing that we failed in this area the way we love is a matter of life and death the way that you live biblically as husband and wife the way you operate in friendships the way you operate in a work relationship has immense implications to people coming to faith immense implications on people coming to faith think about this which is pretty cool for a moment if you think in an earthly sense as husband and wife you have offspring right you have children they're your children in earthly sense how cool that if you're christ followers as a husband and wife and you operate the way that you should how cool that you can have spiritual offspring in a sense of sons and daughters of god coming to faith because of the way you operate in a spiritual sense in your relationship How astounding that people can become sons and daughters of God by looking in on your marriage and mine. That's an encouraging thing, but it's also a very scary thing. So that's the first one. First one no one has ever seen God, but they do through relationships. Next one. You and I need to know that it's impossible to say that we are Christians, that we're Christ followers, but are not committed to loving Christ and loving other people. It's impossible. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us. It's not saying that if we don't love and we're never gonna get it perfect, that he suddenly disappears, but what it shows is that his love in us and through us is integral to us having a heart change. It's absolutely integral to us having our heart change. The two go together. It's another way of saying that a sure indicator that you have Christ in your heart is that you love God and that you love people. Not just the nice people, everyone. If we love one another, God remains in us. We may struggle with this due to what's been shown to us in our upbringing. Mark spoke brilliantly last week saying, if we've learned incorrectly from our parents, from friends, from the school setting we've been in, if we've learned love incorrectly, that can be something that hinders us. But we have to care about growing in the area of love for the sake of Christ. That's the second one. The final one, his love is made complete in us. That means that God has chosen his love to work through us in a way that completes us and completes his mission on earth. It matures us in every way. It accomplishes the mission to which he has called you and I to. It is made complete. And I so want us as a church to be complete and not lacking anything. I want our relationships to be complete. Yes, they're going to be imperfect. We're imperfect people. But I want us to be growing towards that in every relationship we have. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord Jesus, as we head from here today, I pray that your gospel, your good news, invades our every relationship, that maybe relationships will look different and marriages look different to how they've ever looked before as a result of today, that the way we operate in the workplace, the way we operate in friendships and in families would be forever changed, and I ask that daily we would let you invade us and invade our hearts, that you'd make us more like you, and ultimately that they would bring many people to come to faith as they look in on how we do relationships in your powerful name we pray amen